1: I am Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Welcome again to our podcast, Leading from the Front, where leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Today's guest is a serial entrepreneur, international lean business consultant, coach, and an accessory brand owner. We're going to have to understand how all that fits together. She's the creator of both the lean out method and the 90 day lean out planner. She's been helping businesses achieve accelerated results and increased profitability for two decades. Known as the business optimizer, she has the ability to quickly cut through the noise and focus on optimizing the core things that will make the biggest impact to grow and scale a business. She specializes in helping businesses identify the most important things they should focus on right now. It's probably a good idea, especially under these conditions, to be focusing on the right things right now. And she helps drive the value of these customers and maximize profits for their businesses. Please welcome today our guest, Krista Grasso. Hi, Krista.
0: Hey, Dr. Gary. Thanks so much for having me.
1: So, Krista, let's dig into that background a little bit and figure out how you got into this uh, whole lean business, lean manufacturing, lean process improvement, and brand accessory ownership. That That's interesting kind of mix. Talk a little bit about your background.
0: It's definitely an interesting mix, but when I tell you the story, you'll see how it all comes together.
1: <laughs> all right.
0: So early on, I always knew that I wanted to do something creative, and I knew I wanted to do my own business. So I went to school. um, I went to college. I got a degree in business. And when I graduated, I was managing a Starbucks at the time, and like most graduates, had a fair amount of college loans to pay back. So I said, you know what? I'm going to get a job in the corporate space for a little bit. I'll pay that down while I'm building my business. And one of my morning customers at Starbucks said, "I have this great opportunity. Would you like to start and work with the company that I work with?" And you'll need to start tomorrow. We have an immediate need. So you'll have to come in as a consultant. And I honestly didn't really know what consulting was. I didn't realize I was stepping into a position where the company was very lean and was focused on lean manufacturing. It just happened to be that my customer offered me this great opportunity. I said, Mm -hmm. sure. And I ended up starting with this company. And I absolutely fell in love with a few things. A, I really loved consulting. I thought that that was great. I really loved doing some form of project management where I was taking these big initiatives and actually delivering them and helping people break them down into manageable pieces and know what to work on at the right time. And then I really loved Lean. It just made so much sense to me. Eliminate waste, focus on the things that are the most important, really try to focus on value for your customers, profits for your business, eliminate everything else. And so it all just came together and it ended up becoming something I was really passionate about, which was surprising to me because I thought I was going to be a jewelry designer or a photographer or do something really creative. And so what I ended up doing is I continued down that path. I've actually been a lean business consultant now for more than 20 years. Absolutely love that and retain that. But I did also launch my jewelry business, which is called Chris Cara and it's a global accessories brand. And, I made a lot of mistakes early on in that business that ended up leading me to launch what I call the lean-out method, which Mm -hmm. is I've taken those concepts that I use with the big corporate consulting clients that I work with, and I make them really applicable to small business owners, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, people who provide a service, as well as people who sell products, and really help them get focused on value and profit and eliminate all of the waste and the noise in their business.
1: So go back for a second. When you were first introduced to lean, what was it about lean that resonated with you? Because it really sounds like it helped kind of do something to you internally in your brain in your soul is like something clicked. What was that?
0: Yeah, it's such a great question. And so I'm by nature, I'm just a natural optimist, right? I don't remember who the first person is who called me the the business optimizer. But that being said, it's, I just naturally like to find the quickest, most efficient, most effective way of doing something. It's just kind of how I'm built. To me, it's like a puzzle. I look at something, and I'm looking at the pieces and saying, how can I make this better? How can I get more out of this? And that's what lean does. And so I fell into it and I could see the results that the company was getting, how much better they were performing than their competitors, Um, Mm -hmm. just how much of a different workplace it was. People actually seemed much happier than some of the other places I'd been because they were focused on the things that mattered and they weren't caught up in unnecessary process and overhead in the things that tend to really frustrate people. Mm -hmm. And so it just felt like home for me. It was my happy place for sure. And it just made so much sense that I've since now helped so many companies implement it. And it just, I think it changes the whole culture of a company, not only just the results that they get, but it just changes the culture of how people approach work and think about things and really gets that focus on value for customers, which I I think is so important. That's how we stay in business, but also the profitability for the
1: business. Well, and you know, so the value for the customers, what strikes me is when you, you know, you use the word Starbucks, I was a manager of a Starbucks and Starbucks talks about the customer experience, right? Mm -hmm. And really what I'm hearing you talk about though, is more of the employee experience and how by helping them focus on the right things and the right priorities, you improve their work life, you improve their ability to be able to stay focused and distractions can be a real problem, Mm right? Right. So how do you do that? How do you go about combining this idea of Starbucks and what you did with them and the work you did with lean and then your creative part with the jewelry, all of this stuff kind of coming together to help entrepreneurs? Because the thing that's fascinating about this to me is kind of big company, lean approach, total quality management, all that kind of stuff, right? Focus on the right things and then taking it down to the small business. And you've done both. How did you bring that together and what does it look like? If I was a small business person and you say, yeah, I do all this stuff, what does it look like? How do you engage somebody in that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So the lean out method that I developed, I did four pillars very specifically because I think there's some things that you need to do in a certain order to get really clear on what those things are that are actually producing value and profit, as well as some things that you need to do on a repeat basis to make sure that you're continuing to focus on the right things. And so the first pillar is context. And I think it's so important, no matter the size or type of your business, right? I do this with the fortune 10 companies I work with. I do this with the solopreneurs I work with. And it's what is your context? So what is the vision that you have? And Mm -hmm. when I think of vision, I don't think of a vision statement, I'm thinking of, like, what's that actual picture that you see in the future for your business? For yourself and how you fit into that picture. Like what's your role in the company? What type of lifestyle do you want to have? And does your business model match that? But also the third component that's so important is your customer. So in that point in time in the future, in that vision, what is your customer going to need for you? And who is that customer that you're working with? And what type of results are you getting for them at that point? And so when you know that you know, that long term vision, to me, that's the first step in getting lean, because you have to know where you're going. So you know, if the decisions you're making, and the things you're saying yes to are directionally correct, and are going to take you to that destination that you want to get to. And so To me, vision answers the question, is it the right thing when you think about whether you should be doing something in your business? And then the next thing you do is you set near-term goals. So you've got this long-term vision. Now you need to create a near-term goal. So let's say a 90-day goal. And that helps you answer the question, is this the right thing right now? Because sometimes Mm -hmm. things are right, but you don't need to do them right now. And when you pile too much on right now, you either end up overwhelmed and overworked, or the things that you're doing, you're spread so thin that you're not getting the
1: proper results out of them. Let's back up for a second to the vision, because what I heard was not just a vision of their business, but a vision of their life and looking at it to be more holistically with a small business. And we know as entrepreneurs, you and I being entrepreneurs know how being able to balance all this is really a challenge sometimes. So what I'm hearing you say is that you create a vision that's much more holistic, much broader in a, in a life sense. How do you go about, I mean, do you ever get resistance on that? Do you ever get owners that are just like, I just want to work on the business and you know, I don't want to get involved you know, my personal life? Do you ever get resistance with that? Or what's the response you get from entrepreneurs about that stuff?
0: So the irony is that most people come to me because they're on the the like verge of burnout. They uh. have for so long put such a focus on the business and ignored the business life balance and ignored mm. all of those other facets that they're at the point where they are realizing they can't keep going the way that they're going. It's too much. It's too overwhelming. Usually people come to me because they want to level up their business. They want to scale, but they cannot imagine adding anything else to their plate. They know Mm. they have way too much going on and they've lost the ability to think strategically in their business because they're just tactically putting out fires all day long. And their to-do list is so long that they have just, you know, an endless amount of things that feel crushing to them. And so that's usually when people come to me. So when I say we're going to paint a vision and we're actually going to look and we're going to look holistically and we're going to look at your business and your life and your lifestyle and make sure that your business matches what you actually see for yourself. And we're going to look at your customer. For them, usually it's a breath of fresh air. Now, they don't always know how to do it. That's where I have to help them with it, because if they've been so focused on the business, it's not intuitive, but they
1: do usually welcome it. Sure. And if they knew how to do it, they wouldn't need you, right? They wouldn't need me. (laughs) Our leadership programs are the same. As we say, everything is inside out. Mm -hmm. I have to, as a business owner, I have to take care of myself and know what my balance is so that then I can provide service to the employees who can then provide service to the customer. It doesn't Mm -hmm. happen any other way, but to take care of each level at each step in that way. So it sounds like you're really onto something. Yeah. Coming forward now, how did you get started? You know, you started kind of as a consultant. Did you just keep going that way? And then how did you apply this to your jewelry business? Because you said you had some challenges with your jewelry business that taught Mm -hmm. you a few things as well. Yeah,
0: so the I've, I've always kept to the consulting, still do that, really enjoy doing that piece of it. But what was the catalyst for me creating Lean Out Method and actually starting to work with small business owners, in addition to the big companies, were the mistakes that I made in my own jewelry business. So I had, for many years, had just a little handmade jewelry business. It did pretty well. I got it to a certain level of success where I said, I'm going to launch this new business and I'm going to scale it. And I did and I scaled really quickly. And I kind of my eyes were bigger than my stomach. And I ended up investing way too much money. I went all in on some of the wrong things. At the same time, the market in the accessory space changed really dramatically. So the business model that I had and the business model that I started with, and invested a lot of money and time into ended up changing. And so there were just a lot of things that were happening. And I'm looking one day and I'm saying, I'm getting all of these amazing results for these companies that I'm consulting with, yet I'm struggling in my own business. What's the disconnect here? And I realized that I wasn't applying (laughs) lean in my own business, which was silly because I had a product-based business. I was Mm. manufacturing product Mm. and I was doing so many of the same things, but I hadn't made the connection because the companies I was working with were these big, huge, global, multi-billion dollar brands. I have this little baby accessories business. I wasn't connecting the two until I realized. And that was the catalyst for me starting the lean out method.
1: So what was the what was the catalyst? When did when did that hit you? There's got to be a day or a moment when you were, you know, it's like the what am I thinking? I mean, oh my gosh, I'm doing Mm -hmm. all this consultant. Why don't I do it for myself? Right? What? How did that transpire?
0: Oh yeah, it was a very clear moment. So I had at the time I had sales reps and I had showrooms who were representing Mm -hmm. me. That was a lot of what happened in the accessory space, and I kept getting feedback from them that I needed to lower my prices. And the only way I could do it was to move production to China. I Hmm. heard this repeatedly. And one day I had the call with my sales rep who said, listen, you're not going to make it. You have to move to China. You have to do it. You just, I know that you want to do things in the U.S. That's great. But this is the only way you're going to be successful. And I hung up the phone with them. And I just remembered thinking really hard on it. And, you know, I respect any business decision somebody makes. But for me personally, when I think about my values and what was so important to me in my business, I wanted my product 100% made in the U.S. I wanted U.S. jobs. I wanted to be able to see, touch the quality of it myself. And so for me, it was a real defining moment. Do I make the decision to give up on my business because I don't want to take it to China? Do I decide, you know what, this is how I'm going to survive, get over it, just take it to China, or do I figure out another way? And I decided I was going to figure out another way. And that was when I started to look at, I've gotten all this success for these other businesses. There's gotta be a way I could do something in my own business. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I was told I was absolutely crazy because I went back to my sales reps, I went back to my showrooms and I said, I will drop my prices, I will improve my quality and I will keep absolutely everything in the US. And I'm sure they were like, ha ha, new business owner sucker, this is not gonna work, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) um, I was told on multiple occasions, it was basically a fantasy and it wasn't possible. And if it was possible, other people would have done it. And so I absolutely did it. I have a very successful accessories brand. Everything's 100% made in the US and I run a very, very lean business now. And I've helped many other people do that as well. Once I figured out how to take those concepts that I was doing with the big brands and apply it down to my much smaller business.
1: So it sounds like what you did was by maintaining the quality and the distribution of your products here in the United States, you used Lean to get rid of all of the other stuff that were between the manufacturer and the sale so that you could still offer this at a, at a reasonable price. So you figured out a way to improve the, the supply chain.
0: Completely. What it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Supply chain, all of the processes, everything end to end kind of value stream of everything that I did from the time a customer found out about my brand to the time they purchased, to the time they purchased again, as well as looking at how I made my product, right? I started making my product like an artist. I didn't start making my product like a, a manufacturer. I did everything very complex and very intricate and it It needed a lot of labor and it needed a lot of extra pieces. And when I looked at it and said, is there a way to simplify this? And I think Mm. no matter what your business is, a really powerful question to ask, no matter what you're doing is, is there a way to simplify this? Because the answer is usually yes. And so I looked at it through fresh eyes and just reimagined everything I was doing to simplify it while still providing just as good, if not better of a product.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, when I when I start thinking about for you as a leader, and you know, digging deep into some of the things that you talk about, your personal values about wanting to keep the work in the in America, about using your experience with other companies and applying it to your to your jewelry business, and then uh, the principle I I loved what you said is there's got to be a better way. There's just got to be a better way. You know, I can. I, I can see entrepreneurs every day banging their head against the wall, asking that question. And I can I can remember a mentor of mine saying, you know, if you've only got one option, then you don't have options. You just got one direction and it's just and you're not thinking hard enough. You're just not thinking hard enough. So I uh, gotta give you credit for uh, just digging in and 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 listening to people saying, Yeah, okay, I'm crazy. <laughs> right? Uh, We all entrepreneurs at some point in their life, I think have been told you're crazy for trying that.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) The the, the, uh, birth of good innovation starts with a "you're crazy statement. (laughs) There
1: you go. I got to, I think I need to write that one down. That's really awesome. Yeah. So through all of this, if there was one thing that you could write to Krista and send a letter back to you 20 or 25 years ago, And say, Krista, here's what you need to focus on. Here's what you need. Here's what I've learned. And what I would like to tell the young Krista is this. What would that be?
0: That's such a great question. And I think, honestly, we go into business a lot of times, and I know I certainly did, thinking that there's a way to do things. And I certainly thought there was a way I needed to approach the sales of jewelry in my business. I had to have showrooms. I had to have reps. I had to wholesale. I had to pre-produce my collections. I had to know exactly what my customer wanted, mind you, without actually asking them what they wanted. (laughs) You know, and so all of these things that I thought I needed to do, and I didn't need to do any of them. I could have approached it a very different way and I could have approached it much simpler right from the beginning. And I think, you know, if I were going back in time, I would just probably tell myself, what is the simplest, quickest way to get a product to market to find that product market fit, I'd focus on minimum viable product MVP, right at the time, I was not thinking about that in my own business. Mm. And I think so often we overcomplicate things, I know I certainly did. And so I think that would have been the advice I would have given myself is keep it simple. Focus on a minimum viable product. Get your product market fit and your profitability down before you try to scale and go too big too fast.
1: So what I'm hearing you talk about is when you're going into this, there's a lot of preconceptions about the way you think you need to do things, how to do it. But also, I'm going to say out of inexperience, an understanding of the overly complex nature of what you're doing. And through experience, knowledge, and learning and training and just mistakes, you learn how to make things simple. And I think that what I heard you say is your training or your background in lean created a way of thinking, you know, and I think of lean, it's, it's stripping things down. It's simplifying it to the core important things that you need to focus on. And that's what I'm hearing you say. And through this path that you've taken, you've really mastered that.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great way to say it. And it is the other thing that's really good about lean is it forces you to think through each step. Mm. And it forces you to think at a more granular level so that you can see what's actually important, and what's actually working and what's not. And when you think that way, I think you naturally do less to you know, achieve greater value, achieve greater profit, because you're actually thinking it through. You're not whitewashing this big, huge thing and saying, oh, I'm just going to do this. You're actually thinking through what's it going to take to do that. And you just have a more realistic understanding and expectation of what's possible and what result you're going to get.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it takes me back to thinking about the Pareto principle, which is the 80-20 rule, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to get 80% of my results from 20% effort. And if I take an approach where I look at the whole process and I say, what 80% can I get rid of,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, in order to get me the maximum output? Because a lot of times there's a lot of fluff. There's a lot of things that are, that we've overcomplicated with time that can be eliminated. Right. And that's what your Mm -hmm. whole process does. Yeah. And, and on top of all that, you keep it in America. I love that. Absolutely. I, you know, I mean, I won't
0: say never, but I can't imagine or foresee a future where I would ever change that.
1: (laughs) Well, what you've taught us today, Krista, is no matter what, when we look at that right in the face, we have to ask ourselves the question is there a way? Is there a way for me to do it, it with this value and this approach and keep it in America? And I think that sometimes there's ways to work through others to come together and collaborate on that and work with everybody in the supply chain that could make it a win for everybody. And that's what I think you've done. Yeah,
0: yeah. it's been a it's been a wild ride so far. And I look forward to what's next.
1: (laughs) I wish you well on what's next. And I want to thank you for being our guest today on this podcast, Krista. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks so much for having me.
1: I'm Dr. Gary, making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Thank you for listening again to Leading from the Front, where we help leadership become part of your culture, your organization, and make it a responsibility, not just a position. Take care and be well.
0: Thanks for being with us on Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about the work Dr. Gary is doing, visit statarius.com, S-T-A-T-A-R-I-U-S.com. Music for Leading from the Front is provided by
1: Peter Katz. For more of his music, visit peterkatz.com.